One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we try to deliver is a conversation that's less than fascinating so that you can just feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. Follow us at Listen and Sleep. I'm your host, Marco Tempano, and joining me on this episode is Lisa Cromardi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Marco. I feel like I just mangled your last name. It's okay. Cromartie is good. Thank you so much. (laughs) So, Lisa, your background is part Scottish. Right. And you uh, went to Scotland and really enjoyed your time there. Yes, I did. What was it about Scotland that really sort of spoke to you? Uh, The land. Okay. Yeah, I went to the highlands of Scotland. Well, I went to Edinburgh. And we took a, a train up to Inverness. Oh. And then we took a bus to a town called Cromarty. <laughs> Isn't that, and is that, your last name is actually Scottish, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually have ancestors from the Orkney Islands, which is like the just off the north coast. And yeah, that's where my name comes from, is from there. So I'm not too sure about the history of Cromarty. Sure. But um, that it was a, a, like our namesake, so that was one of the places in my life that I wanted to go, and I, I, we went to Loch Ness, and it was just it was just like the the rolling hills, the mountains, and the deep lakes that really got me, and um, just because uh, it, it carried kind of like a like a mythical like. Um, I don't know, just the beautiful... I just found so many connections between Scottish land and people that I did between, like, First Nations land and people. And it just really... I just fell in love with it. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to go back one day. I just don't know when. And you enjoy the outdoors here in Canada, northern Ontario, correct? Yep, I do. Um, I Ever since I was younger, I would always want to be outside. We lived, um, like, in kind of in the country, which was, like on an old farm that was no longer a farm okay so like i was always outdoors that type of thing and now as an adult i like to go out camping you know hiking canoeing um i'm really would like to learn how to fish better and how to hunt better and go um kind of i'm seeking like the teachings that go along with that oh wonderful and so, yeah, I try to spend as much time as I can outside, and I try to bring my kids out as much as possible as well. My son is very, he's only three years old, but he's already an outdoors boy. Really? Yeah. Just the other day, we were dri- I was driving him to daycare, and he was like, Mommy, need to go in the bush. And I was like, really? He's like, need to go hunting. Need to go with Daddy. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So when you refer to the bush, because I find that here in Northern Ontario, I hear it quite a bit. What does it mean? Because to me, it would suggest the forested area or, you know, 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, Definitely the forested area. Uh, Basically anything that is not really inhabited by people. So forested area, the lakes that you go, sometimes you go out in the bush to get to the lake or to go up a rock, you know, Mm -hmm. like a little rock mountain on the Canadian Shield. So basically anything out there that is not like human territory is Mm -hmm. what I would consider it. And for our listeners who aren't from Canada or from Ontario for that matter, I must say driving to this area, to northern Ontario, Sudbury is where we're actually recording right now, you drive through parts of the Canadian Shield and it's just so beautiful, these epic rocks that are just like so stoic and so so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that about the northern Ontario that's just just so wonderful mm-hmm. and um yeah a lot of um the highways go right through rock right mm-hmm. like they have to blast the rock right which actually kind of saddens me a little bit because in my culture everything has a spirit and has a life i see and rock does to us sure so it kind of saddens me like it is beautiful when you can see um kind of like the inside once right. they, it looks like they, they slice it down right yeah, that's what it looks and like and then you can see all the like different veins yeah. and whatnot yeah and, and it, you can see that there's like iron in the rock because there's this like reddish hue that sort of drips down like like mm-hmm. iron when iron you know rusts over and whatnot yeah yeah you uh, can yeah you can just see everything and it's it is beautiful but at the same time it it kind of bums me out that this rock that has been here for thousands and thousands and millions, millions of, of years, years sure yeah has been has been desecrated or de- demolished like that yeah that is pretty sad i didn't think of it like that mm-hmm. i'll have a new perspective when i go back down yeah just like these ancient beings that mm-hmm. have um yeah are getting blasted <laughs> sure let me let me switch uh, topics a little bit. You mentioned canoeing, mm-hmm. and I find that a lot of listeners who aren't from Canada will often ask about how Canadians canoe. Mm-hmm. They have this sort of, I don't know what the what the word is, bias, or they, they believe that all Canadians canoe. Now, I've never been canoeing. I've never been in a canoe on water, mm-hmm. um, though I have a love for even the just shape of the canoe or I, I remember we went to Peterborough and we tried to go to the canoe museum, museum and we yeah. didn't get it. it was closed when we went but uh, there is a love I have for it because it is something that is quintessentially Canadian um, and so there's something I'm drawn to but I've never been in a canoe so let me ask you this tell me about what canoeing is for you um, canoeing for me is just to be out on the water mm-hmm. and to, I don't know, when you're out on the water in this little vessel mm-hmm. and it's just you and one other person, it really is, it's a beautiful time. Like, the usually when I go, it's a nice day and you never go really canoeing on like sure. a rainy day. But, you know, the sun's shining, it's glistening off the water. When you talk, you can hear your voice echo across the water. Oh, wow. Pointing at things like on, on shore as you go by. You know, if there's people there or if there's, like, a certain thing that catches your eye. Um, it's just the experience. And you go, out f- like, I usually go out for the day. And by the time you get back, you're just so sun, like, sunburnt, I guess. Sun-kissed sun kissed or sun yeah. exhausted. Yeah, you're just so exhausted. Sure. But uh, it's, it's really relaxing. It's really nice. And um, it's a little bit of an adventure when you go out, right? Oh, I would imagine. Yeah, so the last time I went canoeing, I was <laughs> eight months pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, me and my friend took my 
um, two-year-old son. Okay. And we were out on the whole day, and by the end of it, I was just exhausted, sure. so tired. Sure. And it was, but the best stories came from there. Like we were telling the funniest stories that made our families laugh. Right. And it's just an adventure, right? And I imagine it would be very peaceful as well, along with being hard work, because you do have to paddle. And as far as I know, paddling a canoe is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world, right? No, it's not. I definitely was not steering or okay. <laughs> I wasn't doing the heavy. But at one point, she, I was. I had to hold my son because he was getting really tired. Right. And she just, she just paddled us all the way wow. home. And she was, she was like, she's very fit and everything. So mm-hmm. it was nothing to her. But to me, I was like, oh my God, I don't know how you're doing this right now. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a, there's a definite way to hold the oars when you canoe and a definite stroke that one should do when they're canoeing. And right now I'm sort miming strokes and I know it looks ridiculous but is that the case um, because I know there's like the J stroke oh really and then there's and then there's maybe that's for steering yeah maybe maybe I guess I never really thought about that you just kind of I, I've always just felt the boat and what okay. you wanted to do so I, I didn't even know that there were names for strokes actually but um yeah I don't know like I kind of know how to steer a little bit mm-hmm. like how to maneuver it but I don't really necessarily know what the names are I see <laughs> yeah I see mm-hmm. have you seen any cool things when you're canoeing mm, well I haven't really seen cool things I guess I think it's things that I would find cool like animals or mm, actually no oh. no 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 it was more just about the experience sure. it's, it's usually pretty peaceful I mean we always try to go fishing <laughs> and don't always catch something sure or um, like on shore, like we haven't seen any animals or anything like that. But no, not really. Cool, mm-hmm. cool. What fish do you usually catch when you do succeed? Uh, usually like a pickerel or oh, a pike yeah. or like a little bat, like bass. The little the bass can be really, uh, you know, tough fish. Like they're really on the hook. They can be really. Yeah. One of the things when I was a child, I always wanted to be a fisherman, and so I have a love for fishing, and I know that. In particular, with, with fishing in fresh waters of Canada, we have some feisty fish mm-hmm. that put up a good fight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And some beautiful fish, like the, our fish here, they're not as sort of colorful as, say, um, fish in warmer waters. Mm-hmm. But they're quite elegant and quite beautiful when you actually, like a pike is just a beautiful looking and interesting looking uh, animal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, one of the best, one time I went ice fishing with a friend of mine. And we were out early, and we were sitting in the hut. Nothing was catching, nothing was catching. And we were just young, actually, at the time. And we're like, oh, we don't want to go home and be like, we went out fishing all day and sure. didn't catch anything. So I, I was like, hmm, why don't we try to put some tobacco down in the holes? And my friend's like, oh, okay, I have a cigarette. <laughs> so we took her cigarette, and we went and said a little prayer and put it in the holes. And then we waited a little bit. And then um, the the fishing line it went up so you could see that something caught right so we ran out of the hut as fast as we could and we didn't even have our mitts like the gloves that you use to pull up the the line otherwise it's like really super cold and hurts <laughs> but um i pulled up the fish and it was just huge really? huge uh pike wow it was massive it was like i forget how many pounds it was it might have been like nine n- 
I don't know. I, I don't know. It was a big fish. Sure. It was huge. And it, I remember when its head popped through the hole, it was like the whole hole. It, it was it, it was, was that massive eh? it it was was it difficult like did it make it through the hole like yeah yeah it did actually it it, it just pulled it out one bit I, I think it was the adrenaline oh sure that kind of got me and i just kind of whipped it out right and then once it was like on the snow we were just staring at it we're like oh my god oh my goodness it was huge it must have been bigger than nine pounds right but then we're like oh my god and we were freaking out and then so we had to we didn't even have a skadoo out on the ice all we had was a sled so we oh. had to walk off the ice with this huge fish and when we brought it back to my friend's place her whole family was so proud oh that's so great yeah yeah her dad was really proud of us we're like oh, awesome that's yeah. great what a what a wonderful story yeah i once caught a fish so my 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 family had land that had a pond and i remember seeing a fish jump on the land and I said to my dad, there's fish in that pond. And he's like, there's no way there's fish in that pond. And he goes, he thought it was a man-made pond. And even so, he goes, there's no, there's no water that comes to that particular pond. So he assumed it was a stagnant pond. And I said, no, I saw a fish jump. And I was little. Mm. And he didn't believe me. And so I was like, as I said, I wanted to be a fisherman when I was a, when I was a young child. So what I did was I found some yarn, some yarn in the field. Or cotton, I guess it was used to tie something up, like a some crop or something that was nearby. And so I took the cotton, the cotton string, I should say, and I tied a worm. I dug a little hole and I found a worm, and I tied a worm to it. And then I thought to myself, but there's no, there's no hook to catch the fish. So I said, oh, I'll tie little knots, many little knots around the worm. And I threw it in the water, and as soon as I felt a tug... I yanked it with all my kid strength as I could, and the fish flew out of the pond onto the land because I yanked it so hard, and I guess the balls kind of got caught in its mouth, and oh. it fell onto the land, right? And it was flopping around, and I started screaming for my father, and my father came and said, like, what's wrong, what's wrong? I'm like, I caught a fish, I caught a fish. He goes, how did you catch a fish? You didn't have a line, you didn't have... And I think that's my proudest fish story. That's it was a, catching, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, and then I released it back into the pond. Oh my goodness. Uh, I can't believe that it came out with just the yarn. Yeah, because what I did was I, I, I just tied many little knots. So it was like when it grabbed onto the the worm, there were all these little knots. So because I yanked it hard enough, I guess the knots kind of got caught, <laughs> caught in the teeth or what whatnot of the fish, and I was able to... Oh. And it was a small fish. It was like a little sunfish, right? Oh, that's but, awesome. But still, I caught it. That's a great story, uh, yeah. You know, that's funny when you say that, that he or dad thought the pond was stagnant. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like, I find like a common theme. Um, in the Canadian Shield, like the Great Lakes area, because all the lakes are all interconnected, everything. And so part of um, our history is that there are sea creatures that live down. Oh. And they can connect to, like from lake to lake, like where I'm from, um, there's a, a reserve called Serpent River. And it, there's a reason why it's called that. Like, I don't know the whole teachings mm. around it, but there's bases that have actual, like, like, um, teachings or stories about like where people would go to make offerings to like serpents that type oh, of wow. thing so like there's all of these little places that like people know that i don't know that but they all connect to each other like where i'm from in kemakong we have a little bay there and you always hear people tell stories about seeing big serpents in the water that look like tires in the wow. water 
Yeah. Well, I find that so unique because, well, I should mention to our listeners that you are First Nation, and that's what you're talking about with regards to uh, these particular eggs. And we started the show mentioning that you were Scottish. Mm-hmm. And you found this connection, mm-hmm. and especially with Loch Ness, because you said it's your your family roots are near Scotland, in, in uh, sorry, near Loch Ness in Scotland, is that correct? Not really, no. Okay, no. sorry, I thought... I, thought, uh, I just went there and okay. I left it there. But it's interesting that, you know, that the Loch Ness monster that everyone talks about in Loch Ness, mm-hmm. and you're talking about these creatures in these in these areas here in Canada, yeah. and this lovely connection between those two parts of your family, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I just I, I I actually really do believe that there's there are sea creatures. I mean, like, there's petroglyphs like that right. go back for like like you know years and years, and there's just these teachings and. I believe it all. I mean, I feel like, you know, when you get stuck on something and you're just so fixated on sure. it, and it it doesn't it comes from somewhere, and mm-hmm. I think it, it's like an instinct that I have, like right. a, a knowing of it, and it's just I've always been fascinated with sea creatures since I was young, and then I actually um, found out like that I'm from the Eagle Clan, and that um, my name actually means sounds coming from the sky, woman. Wow. So it's Pidwa Agijigo Kwe. And so um, I found out my colors, and when I was given my colors, I was told that they are Thunderbird colors. So I, there is this serpents and Thunderbirds go hand in hand. Oh. You can't have, like, you can't, you can, like, when you tell a story, it's always that they are both are there. Okay. So what it is is that the Thunderbirds keep. I, I, like, I don't know all the teachings. No, fair enough. It. Well, you certainly know more than me because I didn't <laughs> even know about these colors, which I'm going to ask you about. But please, please tell so, me what you know because I find this so wonderful. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell. Um, a few years ago, back at the Debaja Majig Theater Group, we did a, a show called Waters and Thunder Monsters. And basically what it was, it took eye account, like eyewitness accounts of people from Okamakong and what they saw in the bay that I was mentioning. Right. And one one story was, it was like a, a thunderstorm, really loud, like lightning and everything. And uh, a woman who lived on the other side of the bay said, at one point, she saw this big spiral in the sky when the lightning went off. Mm-hmm. And then she saw something grab, like go down to the water and grab it. And so it was like a spiral bringing it out. Right. So basically, like it was like a thunderbird grabbing a serpent from the water. Wow. So like thunderbirds are kind of like, protect the people mm-hmm. from sea creatures mm-hmm. that type of thing oh wow that's fascinating so it was like first i had my fascination about sea creatures mm-hmm. and then i finally i was discovering these things about myself that you know what i mean yeah yeah it's interesting like you know a lot of people say we'll discount something like that and yet we tend to find you know when we when we or when scientists let's say um believe that we've discovered everything in the oceans and lakes and whatnot. And then you hear, oh, they discovered a new fish in the deep waters of Russia. Or, you know, these fishermen brought up a fish that we thought was extinct for thousands of years. And there you go, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I give a lot of credence to the oceans, the seas, the lakes, and their power, which is beyond us, right? And everyone thinks that, or not everyone, many think we've conquered all these things. And I don't think, I think the opposite is true in in many cases. Um, 
when you say you discovered your colors or you were informed of your colors, can you enlighten me on that? Because um, actually, I I don't think I can too much. Okay. So basically, um, when when your spirit comes to this world and mm -hmm. you're in you're in your body, mm -hmm. you carry all these things with you already that you get from your parents, like your clan that you get from your parents, right. and you you know your name comes with you. And also, um, I'm not too sure what, like, the colors, when they were given to me, he told me, you know, like, this is a Thunderbird color, this is a woman's color, like, it, there was just, oh, and I kind of knew what they were before he told me. Wow. So, they, it wasn't like, I just, I, I don't know, you just know it that. So it wasn't a surprise, it was more of a confirmation, would you say? Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so like, if I would... I think it should these colors just if you surround yourself with them you wear them it'll like it, it just shows who you are your identity as well as like kind of you know how like the light spectrum yes you, it surrounds you like mm -hmm. your auras and things like that so i think that like um if you just if you have them around you or i don't know i don't really know how to explain it fair enough you know there's a lot of different cultures that have connections to colors and chakras or auras or whatever you want to call it whatever right. culture calls that thing and i think as humans too we gravitate gravitate to a certain color that is our favorite color mm -hmm. or the color that we like to wear a lot mm -hmm. or the color the two or three colors that we always sort of gravitate to um you know i find that i find that that's kind of universal because mm -hmm. you'll see that in many different cultures, many different people, and many people that you meet from all over the world or from your, you know, your next door neighbor to the person who lives across the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Now, I saw you in a play. Yes. And that's how we got to know each other. Right. Right. Because you're in a play with my wife. Mm -hmm. um, what is it about being on the stage that really resonates with you? Oh, you know, I... Um acting I don't I, I'm not too sure what it is I think it's just finding I like I love learning how to build relationships with people on when you're doing a play mm -hmm. I don't know why I do but I think I think I like finding how normal I can be on a stage as somebody else okay so I don't I'm not too sure I guess I like I love being on stage I love performing I love like um I love doing movement and like working with that type of thing as and well. working with your voice because you're doing a lot of voice work too aren't you yeah yeah I'm learning how to be a, a vocal coach mm -hmm. down at Stratford and so that that was the first thing when I okay I knew I always wanted to act I knew I could do it right I didn't actually do it until I was an adult and when I was in theater school, it was a voice class that I actually felt that connection with, like, your body. Sure. And it just, it felt bigger than me, and mm -hmm. it felt like something great was escaping me. Not escaping, but, like, released out of me. Sure. And I just felt so connected, you know, to, like, my mind, spirit, and body during a voice class. And I was like, whoa. It was really a surreal moment. And so... I think finding that with somebody else on stage, because it, it, to me, that felt so beautiful. I love the way that felt. And to find that with somebody else, or to like try and explore what that is. Sure. Yeah, so I think maybe that's what it is that gets me. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, we had on uh, the podcast a good friend of mine who is a vocal therapist. And it's interesting to find what connects people to their voice or how their voice sort of connects to them to a certain thing. 
one of the things um, that always sort of strikes me is when I hear my voice, like when I listen to a podcast, it never sounds the way I think it sounds. <laughs> and so I'm always like, oh, is that what I sound like? I'm always like curious about like, it's like, do people hear me sound like this? Yeah. And another question I always ask, and I'll ask my wife, when I speak a different language, does my voice sound different mm -hmm. when I'm speaking that language? Does my resonance go lower or do, mm -hmm. does my pacing change or does it sound different? Mm. I think it, I, I think it would, right? Because I feel like um, where, wherever we come from in the world, mm -hmm. we have like a, a vocal mask type thing. So our our muscles in our face are used to going a certain way right and like where the where where the word sits in your mouth if it's like closer to the back or in the front sure. or like you know what i mean or like different things like like drills and whatnot right so like i can drill my r's because i can speak italian mm -hmm. and my name marco in italian is marco so it changes its sound because of the way you position your tongue and the way you you do certain things yeah yeah like if i was like <laughs> right, you're hitting the, you're hitting a K there hard yeah. versus the R. Yeah, but it's just interesting, and that's why, in certain different um, speakers of other languages, use different parts of their throat, different parts of their mouth, and even their nose and whatnot when they speak. Yeah, that say an English speaker wouldn't use. So we'll find as English native English speakers, we'll find speaking certain language more difficult than speaking other languages mm -hmm. um, for example German is uh, English and, and German have have similar roots so uh, some say it's easier for an English speaker to speak German likewise for a German speaker to speak English than say an Arabic language where you're using more yeah. sounds from the back of your throat that are foreign to a native English speaker right yeah uh. yeah um, I find uh, first like when you speak the language I feel like it's kind of back here as well. Okay. Not as harsh though. Sure. Uh, but I definitely can. You can feel that. And I don't know my first language, mm -hmm. and it was really hard to kind of get into that. Learning how to do that. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating, and when you start develop developing uh, la language acquisition in other languages, it allows you sort of to pick up other languages easier than someone who only speaks one language. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because you realize that you're using different parts of your mm -hmm. your mouth, your throat, your nose, your... Mm -hmm. And that's just a guess because by no way am I saying I'm an expert, even though I did study linguistics, but it's something that's always fascinated me. Yeah. Well, speaking of fascinating things, I found this episode to be truly fascinating. So I want to thank you, Lisa, mm -hmm. for being a part of this episode. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time. Great. As always, The Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Productions, and this episode was recorded in Northern Ontario, in Sudbury, in what, what territory are we in? Anishinaabe. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Miigwech. Does that mean thank you? Oh, fantastic. Miigwech? Miigwech. 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 <laughs>